Alright, we've been talking all week about chosen. Chosen. What does it mean to be chosen? Chosen by who and chosen for what? In Monday night, we talked about how the true children of God are those who let God's Spirit lead them. Because the thing is this, we can be led by the Spirit of God into absolute perfect sonship with God, or we can be led by our own flesh into our sin, which further separates us from God. Tuesday night, we talked about about being enslaved and, and how the sin easily entangles us and it, it weighs us down. And the chains, they literally choke us. Even when we didn't plan for it to happen. And we're talking about an escape and, and how you're chosen for freedom. You're not chosen to be enslaved. You have not been given a spirit of fear to fall back into slavery, but you have been given a spirit of adoption by which we cry out, Abba, Father. Last night we talked about what does it mean to be chosen? You keep saying chosen, but what does that look like? Who am I chosen by? What am I chosen for? You're chosen for holiness. You're you're chosen to live a life that looks different. You're chosen to be light in a dark world. You're chosen to be set apart. And tonight we're going to jump right back into Romans 8. We're going to finish this bad boy tonight. says this so then brothers we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh for if you live according to the flesh you will die unbelievable you're my absolute favorite if you live according to the flesh you will die but if by the spirit you put to death the deeds of the body you will live for all who are led by the spirit of God are sons of God For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided, there's a, I think it's called a conjunction. It's been a while since I've been in school. Provided, It's similar to a but in the middle of a sentence. Provided, you ready for the gut puncher? We're just jumping straight in tonight. Provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Provided we suffer. Guys are brilliant. Suffering, I looked up the definition for suffering, and it means this. Pain that is caused by injury, illness, loss, etc. Physical, mental, or emotional pain. I looked up the word glory, and it means this, great beauty and splendor, something that is a source of great pride. Provided that we suffer with Him so that we may share in His glory. It's a two-part thing. See, the suffering comes before the glory. And if we accomplish that, then it says we are heirs of God, co Heirs with Christ. So I looked it up. H-E-I-R. Heir. One who receives or is entitled to receive some endowment or quality from a parent. And I was like, hmm. I've definitely inherited my mother's cleaning genes. And I don't know what I've inherited from my father. But 
One who receives or is entitled to receive some endowment or quality from parent. Says this. And if children and heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided, everyone say provided. Provided. We suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. Nobody likes suffering, do we? No. Loss, death, cancer, divorce. Talk to some of you today in the pool. It's the coolest meeting spot ever. If you're not there, you're missing out. And I said, talk to me. Well, what's God, what's God teaching you? Well, what is it you want to know? And you know what came up in the pool and in the cabin? What happens when bad things happen? Then what? And if children and the heirs of God provided we suffer with them in order that we may be glorified with them. Nobody likes suffering. Parents in jail, parents divorced, being made fun of, being the outcast, being rejected, being robbed from, being punked out, our family dying, people getting cancer. Nobody likes suffering. Some, some refer it to an actual valley. And when we suffer, we start asking all these really loaded questions. Where's God now? If God is good, then why is there cancer? Why me, God? I thought you loved me. What kind of father are you, God? Some good plan you have for my life. Anyone ask those questions? I'll be the first to say I have. We, we start asking those loaded questions, and I think questions are a really, really good thing. I think questions are incredibly important and healthy to your growth, not only as an individual, but as a child of God. I think it's great to ask questions. I love asking questions. I love Googling my questions. They're really random. I won't give you an example. But, but I love questions, and questions are important. But what happens when we ask a question and we don't like the answer? What happens when we ask the question and we don't like the answer? Because Scripture is real clear about suffering. It's real clear about suffering. And here's what you need to understand. God didn't create the mess. God didn't create cancer. He didn't create divorce. He didn't create jail. He didn't create your parents so that they would spend forever in jail. God didn't create the mess. But Scripture is real clear about suffering. You know, it's kind of like this idea of a valley. A valley is a low-lying place. And typically a valley is at the bottom of a mountain, right? I climbed a mountain once. Mario, you got that? Now I'm going to laugh, but whatever. It's a mountain to me. I climbed a mountain last year. And for those of you... I couldn't even pull myself up out of the pool today. But listen, for those of you who were here last year... Don't ask how many men it took to get me up on it, all right? Don't ask how long it took, all right? But, but I climbed that, and I didn't climb it alone. And you've got to understand, it hurt. I felt like I ripped my armpit fiber. I don't even know if I have armpit fiber, but it just felt ripped out for weeks. And I kept sliding, and my, my sandal was like scooting on the plastic, making this awkward noise, and, and everyone just makes it look so easy. And there I am. And I have to get on that. 
And just when I want to quit, just when I want to give up, my buddies say, no, Tara, come on, we got this. I mean, I'm talking grown men swimming under, surging up like a torpedo fish, and they, like, give me a lift. You know what I mean? It was crazy. But you know what was so fun for me? And it's not really a noun. It's kind of a funny example, but the view from the top. Because I got to see what everyone else saw. I'll probably never get to do that again. I tried this year, actually, at little kids camp. I don't know why I tried it again, but I, I tried it again. But it was incredible. And I've been on mountains. I've been on mountains in Haiti, and it's incredible. The, the view is breathtaking. It's awesome. When you get really up high, you can see things differently. It's like this breath of fresh air. But see, to get to the mountain, you have to go through the climb. To get to the mountaintop experience, you have to go through the valley. And that's what the Bible says about suffering. In 1 Peter 4. It says this. Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you. As though something strange was happening to you. Don't we act surprised? What? No way! Me? Oh, thanks, God. Do not be surprised, but rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when His glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the Spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. But let none of you suffer as a murderer or a thief or an evildoer or as a meddler. Yet if anyone suffers as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God in that name. It doesn't say sit down. It doesn't say when you have a bad day that you can quit. It doesn't say that when someone in your family gets cancer that you can sue God. Anyway, you're going to get like unending sunsets anyway, you know? <laughs> it doesn't say that, but it says don't. Be surprised. But we're surprised, aren't we? I mean, we're surprised. And Scripture makes it real clear about suffering. In James 1, it says this. Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Sound familiar? She just read that this morning. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Don't be surprised at, at the things that you go through. The valley always comes before the mountain. The cross came before the empty tomb. We want the empty tomb of things, don't we? We, we want the mountaintop experience, but so often we don't want to go through the mess to get there. Jesus' glory was in the empty tomb. He rose from the dead. He proved every hater wrong. And he rewrote the history books. 
But don't you forget the road that he walked and carried his cross on to get to that empty tomb. From suffering to glory. Embracing suffering doesn't mean allowing it to define you. Embracing suffering doesn't mean allow it to define you. Here's what I mean. Here's what we do. Oh, my parents are divorced. <laughs> I'm depressed. I'm eating a little too much brisket this week, I think. I've lost someone that mattered to me. I'm angry. I have a disease or I'm sick. I'm unloved. Nobody loves me. My parents are in jail. And here's what happens. It becomes a label. Embracing suffering doesn't mean that what you go through is who you are. The only key to your identity is this. Hi, my name is, and I am a child of God. Hi, I have been chosen by God. But so often we get it wrong. Because we allow our story and our suffering to define us and to become our identity. And then what happens is it becomes all of this. Hi, my parents are divorced. Hi, my parents hate me. Hi, my parents are in jail. Hi, I'm addicted to drugs. Hi, I have a disease. Hi, I've been labeled as this. And that becomes who you are. It becomes like a cloak. Almost like a Girl Scout vest with patches. I couldn't make one. So here's the ghetto one. And we wear it like a badge. We wear it like a patch. And it becomes who we are. That's not what God is saying. That is not who you are. It's part of your story, but that's not your identity. Your identity is you are a true child of God, led by the Spirit of God. I get it. It's the last night of camp. We've had an incredible week. God has done crazy things. But it kind of all changes when you go home tomorrow. And no one in your family goes to church and no one in your family believes in God, and, and everyone's playing kicksy, and, and they're cussing each other out, and they're getting high, and they're getting drunk, and it's you. Better watch yourself. Lest that become your identity. Lest that become who you are. It all goes back to identity. Remember Barabbas, the criminal, the thug, the murderer, the thief? You know what his name means? Barabbas means son of a father. <laughs> means son of a father. But, but for Barabbas, he missed it. It all goes back to identity. Who are you? Because when you understand who you are, it navigates your path for how to get through the mess. When you understand who you are, it navigates your path for how to get through the mess. I don't have an explanation for cancer. I don't have an explanation for drug overdose, for parents that get divorced, for abuse, for orphans in the world. I don't know why ISIS can get away with doing whatever they're doing and no one's stopping them. But this is who I know. There is a God who is greater and a God 
who is bigger and a God who is faithful. And that is my identity. That is my download. And that is how I know to walk because it's no longer I'm unloved and, and my parents are divorced and they're in jail and I'm addicted to drugs and this is how I've been labeled and medicated and prescribed and I have anger issues. But it's but God. It's but God. Your parents might be in jail, but God. And this, this becomes who you are. And here's why. Because when you wear this cloak, it's like filthy rags. When your identity is, I'm an addict, or I struggle with drugs, or I have anger issues. The Bible says that the power of life and death is in your tongue. So what you're speaking over yourself is making it more difficult. I'm guilty. I do it all the time. And it's really bad. And then I really should just stop. But I don't. But what if we changed, instead of saying these things that we go through and allowing them to label us and define us about cancer and divorce and disease and jail and orphans and abandoned, what if instead our story became, but God? What, what if we answered suffering with a, but God? It would change everything. Because here's what you need to understand. When you wear filthy rags, ain't no one trying to come over and borrow clothes from you. Ladies, I don't think guys really share clothes. Girls exchange clothes all the time, right? When you're wearing, wearing filthy stuff and it's got holes and it's got stains, ain't no one trying to come over and be like, hey, can I borrow that shirt? You know what I'm saying? But that's what we wear because that becomes our identity and it's just not true. But, but when we, you wear a shirt of godliness and a shirt of purity and a shirt that says my God is bigger and a shirt that says my God is greater, it changes everything. Because then, all of a sudden, people see you different. I'm like, hey, didn't your dad just get sent to prison? How are you smiling? What is up with you? What, what's different about you? And then you have a platform. You have a but God who navigates the mess in your life. Because the Bible says you will go through hard times. Don't be surprised. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. You know what holds us together when we feel like falling apart? It's this thing called laminin. Laminin is a cell adhesion protein molecule and it holds all of the insides of your body together. It's the glue that holds all of your innards together, and it's shaped like a cross. Now, if that's not God saying, I'm here, and I'm real, and I'm yours, and I'm in you, and I'm holding all things together, then I don't know what is. Laminin. It holds everything together. The cross holds everything together. Because no matter how hard it is for you, and no matter how bad it is for you, it doesn't compare to the cross of Christ. It just doesn't. And it doesn't compare to the suffering in the world. Eight out of ten people in Haiti live on less than $2 per day. They will literally pick food up off the street and eat it because they're hungry. Count it all joy. Don't be surprised at the mess you're going through. 
the gut puncher for me. Times will be tough. The Bible says don't be surprised. We can't live at camp forever. Some of you might like to. I can't wait to get home to see my dog. Cabin life has been fun. But ooh, I can't wait for my shower. You know what I'm saying? Can't wait for a shower rack that doesn't fall and like jack me in the head when I'm in there. You know? I'm going to miss Miss Kathy's cooking, actually. That's been really delicious. And, and I'm going to miss pool time. But camp doesn't last forever. You're going to go home to mess. You're going to go home and it's going to be there and it's going to be real. But here's the difference. It's a but God. You're, you're going to go home to mess, but there is a God who is with you. Emmanuel. God with you. God with me. God with us. Emmanuel. Laminin. He's holding it together. He's saying, don't trip. I've got this if you'll just trust me. God never changes. He's with you. He wants you. He loves you. He chooses you. He gives you strength. When we ask the question, when cancer, let's take cancer for an example. When, when cancer comes up and we say, where is God? Why me? God could have left us alone. On your worst day, you could be alone. You could not have the mercy and grace of a Savior who's willing to lay it on the line and say, I choose you. But God. How do you go home with all of the junk that awaits? Here's how you go home. How do you go home after a week of camp that's been incredible? Here's how you go home. You go with God. You don't go alone because you're not alone. It doesn't matter if you feel alone. You're not alone. There's a God who loves you and he says, I'm with you. And he never changes, and, and he's really, really big, and he's, he's really, really good at what he does. And he keeps his word. His promises are true. They're yes and amen. How do you go home to the junk that awaits you? Go with God. How do you go home and you face your friends who don't know Jesus, but you now know Jesus? You go with God. How do you respond to suffering? You count it all joy. So that God's work can be complete in you. It's kind of like a test. When you lift weights, I've lifted them before, believe it or not, it hurts, right? But listen, at the end, you got some guns. You're like, yeah, you know the end result, and that's why you go through it. Count it all joy. How do you greet the problems when you get home? You don't be surprised. Because there's a God who's with you. And he was gone before you. There's a story about a guy. His name is Robert the Bruce. True story. I'm about done. Goes like this. The story goes that Robert the Bruce died in 1329 at the age of 54. But shortly before his death, Robert the Bruce requested that his heart be removed from his body and taken on crusade by a worthy night. One of his closest friends, James Douglas, was at his bedside and accepted the responsibility. So the heart of Robert the Bruce, pardon my generic ghetto play heart, so the heart of Robert the Bruce was embalmed 
and placed in a small container that Douglas carried around his neck. There's a little snug. I don't know who measured this. It was placed in a small container that he carried around his neck, and in every battle that Douglas fought, he literally carried the heart of his king against his chest. In the early spring of 1330, Douglas sailed from Scotland to Grenada, Spain, and engaged in a campaign, a campaign against the Moors. In an ill-fated battle, when all was going wrong, and Douglas found himself surrounded. You ever feel like that? You ever feel like it's just all going wrong, and you're surrounded, and you're at your breaking point? In a situation, death was both certain and imminent. He was going to go out. This was it. This was the last hurrah. He was literally going to die. In that moment, Douglas reached for the heart, strapped around his neck, and he flung the heart into the enemy's midst and cried out, Fight for the heart of your king. He flung it into the enemy's midst, the very heart of his king. And he yelled, fight for the heart of your king. You're going to go home, and it's going to be hard. And you're going to be tempted, and the old man is going to try to rise back up. But tonight, I'm telling you, you got to fight for the heart of your king. King Jesus, he's so beautiful. He's so magnificent. It's He's the glory. It's His splendor. It's His majesty. King Jesus, you're going to go home and you're going to be tempted, but you've got to fight for the heart of your King. Do you know what His heart beats for? It beats for people. The same people who you have forgiven this week. The same people who you will have to forgive tomorrow and Saturday and Sunday and Monday. You know his heart beats for? For justice and fairness and equality. And for a standard of righteousness and holiness. That's what your king's heart beats for. That's why you have to go through suffering as a good soldier because it's not about you. And it's all about the world in which you live. Because not everyone gets to come to camp and hear about Jesus. Not everyone gets a second chance. One of my old homies, he's dead. He died yesterday. Not everyone gets a second chance. You've got to fight for the heart of your king. You you have to go through the tough times because we know the end of the story. Oh man, we know the end of the story. Jesus wins, which means we win in a great battle and conflict. It's over. And one day, everyone who's called on the name of the Lord Jesus Christ will spend forever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever and ever in heaven with Jesus. And it's going to be incredible. It's going to be incredible. No more pain. No more crime. No more divorce. No more abuse. No more rejection. Pure beauty. Worshiping God face to face, bowed down before Him. You guys think worship this week is incredible? Oh, just wait. 
Just wait for what's coming. You've got to fight for the heart of your king. When you go home and you feel surrounded and overcome and all alone, you've got to fight for the heart of your king. You know his heart beats for it. His heart beats for there to be no more abortion. You've got to fight for the heart of your king. You've got a voice. You've got to use it. You know what his heart beats for? It beats for ISIS. God loves ISIS and he wants ISIS to be saved. He, he wants evil to be stamped out. You've got to fight for the heart of your king. And if you quit on your bad day, that's one less voice. If you give up and throw in a towel when things go wrong, that's one less person. You've got to fight for the heart of your king because it's all about you and yet it's not all about you because the true children of God are those who let God's spirit lead them. The spirit that we have makes us God's chosen. We could have left that word out, but it's there. Chosen children. You've been chosen for a time as this. This is your time. This is your life. You have one life to live. You've got to fight for the heart of your king. You know his heart beats for the homeless on a corner. The ones we make fun of. Jesus loves the homeless. Jesus loves all the people in prison. Jesus loves the aborted babies. Jesus loves the terrorists who don't know him. Jesus loves the thugs on the street. Jesus loves the criminals. If you quit on your bad day, you'll never be able to fight for the heart of your king. Count it all joy. Count it all joy. Don't be surprised because you have been chosen. Chosen. Chosen and you have everything you need. You have everything you need. Here's how we're going to end this tonight. joy don't be surprised you're going to go home and it's going to be hard but you my friends oh man you got to fight for the heart of your king because it matters it matters and when you say yes to God and you're willing to do whatever he asks you he rewrites the history books because no longer is it about teen pregnancy but it's about teen purity no more is it about abortion and babies being murdered and baby parts being sold. But it's about lives being saved. No longer will it be about ISIS and terrorism doing their thing, but it's going to be about God's people doing their thing. You are chosen. So here's what we're going to do. There's a line on the floor here. And just like an army would line up for battle, that's what we're going to do tonight. I'm inviting you to do a physical something with your body as a representation of what God is doing in your heart. Because my story is no longer going to be me or my sadness or my hang-ups or my suffering, but it's going to be a but God. And I'm chosen. I'm going to be the first. And so here's what's going to happen. We're going to start from the back of the room, the last row. Adults, you're welcome to be a part of this. And I'm going to I'm going to show you by example what's going to happen. When, when you step up to this line, we're going to line up if you want to participate. But when you, when you come to this line, I want you to pretend that you're a soldier of Christ Jesus. 
none of this matters if you don't get the idea that you're chosen. It's all about identity. You are not your diagnosis. You are not your bad chapter. You are not your janky story. You are a chosen child of God. So you're going to line up at this line. And you're just going to stand there for a second. And then out loud, however God leads you, you're going to say, I am chosen. Because that's where it starts. And then you're literally going to cross the line into what's next, what God has for you. And then you're just going to go back and sit down and we'll worship. We'll be done. Okay? So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray. And let this be a moment that marks you. Let this be a moment that marks you. Because the best is yet to come, friends. I promise you. I promise you. Loving God and walking with Him is the greatest, funnest adventure I've ever had in my life. It's your choice. I'm going to pray, and then I'm going to demonstrate how I want this done. And then we'll start with the back row. Once the back row has done, we'll move up. This last, this front row will be last to go. Okay? So, Father, right now, God, I'm asking for your forgiveness, God. Would you forgive me, God, for all of the times that my story has been poor terror? My bad things, my diagnosis, my family, my loss, my addiction. God, forgive me for all the times that it hasn't been but God. Because, God, in the midst of all of the things you have been and you will be, you are faithful and you are God and you are good and you are big. And you have chosen me. And I have a voice. And my voice matters. I'm going to rewrite the history books for you, God. My life is going to count for something other than me. Because it's all about you, God. It's all about you. So tonight, I say, I say yes, God. I say I believe that I am chosen. God, I just pray for a release in this room tonight, God. That it's not just stepping over a line, but God, literally in our hearts, it will be a shifting for what's next. God, that you would give them courage. God, that you would give them courage, that you would burn the truth of your word on their hearts, God. That they are not their story, that their identity is not their suffering, but that they are a true child of God, chosen by you to rewrite the history books. Cross the line. Surrender. 